0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, we are going to talking about uh, spiritual poverty. Um, so here we go. All right, so before we can really talk about uh, poverty of spirit, we got to talk about the Beatitudes, and they are found in Matthew 5. Um, and we all know they're probably the most famous words that Christ spoke um, when he was here on earth. Um, so I want to remember the very first one. Okay, so blessed. So seeing the multitudes, went one a mountain and when he was seen. The seven to him. He opened his mouth and taught them, saying, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." Exactly right. Um, so notice that is the first one. Okay. Um, so originally, when when theologians were looking at this, they said, "Oh, poor, materially poor. You know, we should be, you know, uh, not so extravagant." But actually. Most theologians agree that is, is when we say poor in spirit spirits, actually like a deeper, signif- like spiritual significance. Um, it is being meek, being humble, and standing before God in need- spiritual neediness. Okay? Um, and we'll talk more about that when we get into that. Deeper. So um, even St. John Chrysostom says that it is um, having a humble and contrite mind mind and disposition or demeanor. Um, so why is this one first? This one's first. It's not, it's deliberate. It's first because um, if you look at all the Beatitudes, every one of those can stem from this one. So um, Christ, when he said it, he meant it to be. Is that better? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's awful, right? Is it terrible? (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about that word poor. So that word poor, if you look at the Greek, is actually uh, it's, it's pronounced tokos, um, and so it translates as poor in English, but actually what it really translates to is um, to shrink or cower or cringe like a beggar. Like a beggar on the street beggar. Um, so, and what made this, what made this word so significant was at the time of Christ, all of the beggars on the street, when they would beg, one hand would be out to beg, and the other would be covering their face in shame. That's what that word actually means. So when we think about that at the spiritual level, it's, it, it's totally different. Okay? So those who are spiritually poor have an attitude of extreme need for and dependency on God. And an acute awareness that it is only God that can support them. How would how do they? How do they do it? Yeah. <laughs> So glad we're all here today. All right. Okay, so let's look at some uh, some examples um, that we see in scripture. So I'm gonna do Old Testament first. Um, so Old Testament kind of has like a pattern, right? So we have like um, story after story of men struggle breaking the covenant with God, and then there's someone that rises up out of that story, a queen, a prophet, a king, somebody, um, and they actually appeal to God in surrender in some way and they pray for his help. So first one I want to touch on is Queen Esther. Okay, um, who, you know, she was queen. No one knew she was Jewish until the very end, right? And she was materially rich, the, of course, because she's queen. Um, so by the time when she had to save her people, she humbled herself before God and desperately cried out for his help. And um, if you read her prayer, what's interesting is her prayer isn't in, like, your regular Bible that you'll find. It's in the um, where we have extra verses. So I just want to read you the first verse of her prayer and the last verse of her prayer. And it says that she actually took off her regular, like, clean clothing, her riches, and did the sackcloth and ashes. So she's in complete distress. And she says, Oh my Lord, you alone are our King. Help me, who I am alone and have no help but you. Oh God who have power over all, hear the voice of us in despair and deliver us from the hand of those acting wickedly and deliver me from my fear. So she's, she's forgetting who she is. Like, I don't care who I am as queen. I know who I am in front of God and I need him and we all need him. And so she prays for that first and then she openly admits that she is scared because the minute she says and gives away the fact that she's Jewish, she could die. Like full, like death, because that was the decree. So we know that they were saved. And St. John, or sorry, St. Clement of Alexandria says, for by fasting and humiliation, she begged the all-seeing master of the ages, and he, seeing the meekness of her soul, and that is the key right there, the meekness of her soul, rescued the people for whose sake she had faced danger. So that is one way, one example of many that we see of spiritual poverty in the Old Testament another way another person moses moses has many many stories many many um but I, I like this one it's interesting so um miriam and aaron brother and sister they're all and they're talking to moses and they're they're not happy with his marriage choice they don't they don't like his wife um and he doesn't not gonna say anything he's not gonna say anything um and uh, god is not happy with this exchange here and Miriam, his sister ends up with leprosy and so, Moses, after being completely humiliated by his family, completely, like, shamed, we're going to talk about shame today, he says, you know what, I, I don't, I love my sister, and I don't care, like, I'm going to forget my own self, I'm going to forget my own dignity. And it says, so Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, please heal her, oh God, I pray. And in Numbers, it actually talks about how, um, it says, Moses was very humble, more than all men who are on the so he's an example to follow, even in a situation like this, okay? And then, of course, poor Job, okay? We know how much he went through, right? Not just spiritual poverty, but material poverty, like at the lowest of the low, and then his friends come, and they don't make the situation any better, right? And they sh- and they talk about, they talk against God, they talk against Job, you know, they're bashing everybody, and... Uh, Joe prays for them and he uh, he he prays for them regardless of the fact of how they treat him and God and God answers that prayer so all of them have that humble surrender forgetting who they are forgetting who's made them upset or said anything bad about him okay and he prays for them for those people okay they all do So, let's touch a little on the New Testament. There are so many, of course. Um, I'm going to pick two. Okay? <laughs> um, So, let's talk about Saint Mary. I mean, one thing we, that we all know is that we barely have words for her written. Right? A lot of the time, she kept things in her heart. But one of the biggest things that we have is the magnificent, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices God, my Savior. Um... And I wanted to tell you something that she said about herself, right here. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservants. Okay, so let's talk about what this means. So the word lowly that she used is, is known in Greek, that's hard to read, I'm sorry. Uh, Tapinosis is how that's pronounced. And it translates as humility, but what it really means, if you're really looking at it, is abject poverty. Like low, low, okay, queen of heaven. This is what she's calling herself. okay? And the maidservant in Greek is doula, and this is a slave, an actual slave that has no will of their own, a bonded female slave. Um, so she understood she's nothing, she has nothing without God, and with that humility, I mean, we all know who she is now. And of course, there's no way, no way I could give a talk about humility and poverty of spirit without talking about St. John Baptist. Um, <laughs> it's just not gonna happen. Um, so. In the Magnificat, right before that, had visited St. Elizabeth, and St. John leaps in the womb. So he knows his Savior from the womb. He knows his place, who he is in front of this other baby, from the womb. And this is how he says about himself. When people were wondering, well, are you the Christ? What about you? And he's like, no. I baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. So back in the day, right? They all wore sandals, so how dirty were their feet? Gross. And he said, I'm still not worthy to even get that low and touch that. Okay? So. All right. So we're going to talk about humility, but I mean, it's synonymous with spiritual poverty. Um, and a lot of people think, oh, I have to, like, beat my chest and hate myself and hate who I am, and it's not. It's actually knowing who you are, knowing who God is, and knowing who you are in front of Him, and realizing that without Him, you are nothing, and that you have full reliance on Him, just like a child is nothing without their parents, especially when they're little. Um, and so Saint Paul pulled another one from New Testament. Um, he calls himself the chief sinner. Okay, he recognized this. But what was interesting is when he called himself that, it wasn't right after his conversion. He wasn't talking about that, although that will always want him, I think. It was talking after he preached the world, he was shipwrecked, he was whipped, all of that stuff, and suffers for the sake of Christ. And this is the this is the disposition of the saints. This is, they know, the closer they are to God, the closer they the more they realize who they are in realize that they are, um, not anything to brag about, um, spiritually speaking, okay? Um, uh, Catholic Spanish nun, St. of Avila I think hits this on the head very well. She says, it's in contemplating his greatness that we discover our loneliness. In seeing his purity that we see our dirtiness. In considering his humility that we see how far we are So who do we think we are, okay? So how do we even approach God then? How, how are we supposed to even do that? So there's a couple of different like, kind of like tools, okay? So I'm gonna pull from the Psalms first because I think Psalms are like beautiful, humble prayers to God. Um, I picked a few, I mean, there are there are so, so many. Of course, we have the Agbeya which has prayers for us. Um, and we have the special prayers that, that have been written by the saints, so just a few. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. And what I love about this one is, when I was saying that humility is not low self-esteem, it's recognizing I'm poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. He still looks at me. He looks at you, okay, no matter how low Turn yourself to me and have mercy on me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. It's like humble appeal to God. Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. And this one. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Never let me be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save me so these simple words first of all they show the vulnerability of king david who's writing this but these are words that we approach god with in our spiritual power this is how we can talk to him so i also have a couple of prayers from saints that we know um i was hoping if you guys would hear me um if you guys could read this with me if you can see it is that hard to read with the thing In the way, can we do this together? Will you let me? Will you do it? Okay, here we go. Lord Jesus Christ, King of kings, you have power over life and death. You know even things that are uncertain and obscure, and our very thoughts and feelings are not hidden from you. Cleanse me from my secret faults, for I have done wrong, and you saw it. Use how weak I am, both in soul. Till now, amen. St. Isaac the Syrian wrote this. Um, I think it's a beautiful prayer before confession or just prayer, like daily prayer. Um, the other one that I put up, so just like I can't leave out St. John the Baptist, I can't leave out St. Padre Pio, can't. So here it is. Um, this is, his prayer is much longer than this, but I pulled, I thought, what was relevant. So can we do this one too? Stay with me, Lord, for it is necessary to have you present so that I do not forget you. You know how easily I abandon you. Stay with me, Lord, because I am weak and I need your strength, that I may not fall so often. Stay with me, Lord, for you are my life, and without you, I am without fervor. Stay with me, Lord, for you are my light, and without you, I am in darkness. So these are prayers for those who have no trust in themselves, who would rather rely on God for their every need, okay? So just um, something to think about. All right, so just, I just have some, some quotes of reminder of who we are in front of God. So these are modern spiritual writers, this is first one. Okay. Sorry, I know it's long, I can read it. Thus the essence of humility consists in knowing how to discern rightly that which is mine and that which belongs to God all the good i do comes from god and nothing belongs to me but my own nothingness where was i in the abyss of eternity a mere nothing and what did i do of myself to emerge from that nothingness nothing if god had not created me where should i be in nothingness if god did not uphold me at every turn whither should i return into nothingness therefore it is clear that i possess nothing of myself but nothingness even in my moral being, I possess nothing but my own wickedness. When I do evil, it is entirely my own work. And when I do good, it belongs to God alone. Evil is a work of my own wickedness. Good is a work of God's mercy. In this way, we separate the precious from the vile. It is, this is the art of all arts, the science of sciences, and the wisdom of the saints. So recognizing that I can't claim anything good for myself. None of that was mine. None of that came from me at all. Only that's stuff. Um, another one, I know this is also one, but this one, this is by uh, a nun named Sister Ruth Burroughs, um, who's uh, she's a, she's a tough love kind of writer. Um, she's just very, she's talking about pursuing holiness in this way. And she says, those who are really holy or are steadily moving towards holiness live abandoned to God, seeking him and not themselves. So we talked about this. This means in practice that they accept a life of mystery and insecurity. The ideas they have formed of God and his ways are turned upside down and nothing makes sense. They have nothing to fall back on, nothing within themselves to assure them that all is well, nothing except the one thing which is every within, sorry, that should say which is everything, faith in God's goodness and fidelity. They are willing to take the risk of trusting that all is well and that it makes sense simply because God is good and is their father. They abandon all care of themselves, all desire to see that they are making progress, All desire to be safe they do not ask for any pat on the back any echo of applause they are only interested in god having what he wants they are assured that he will always guide them showing them how to please him at every moment and if there's anything in them that displeases him he will show them how to work with him for its destruction they go on peaceful in their daily routine feeling mediocre unworthy of god just like the rest of men there's no posing no pretension so That what she's talking about is that complete and utter trust in God, knowing I are nothing, and knowing that anything that you do, say, are is because of Him. And um, a lot of the times you won't feel that, you won't feel God there, you won't know I, am I doing, are we doing? I have no idea. But the fact that God is your Father and God loves you should be enough. That's what she's saying. And then bringing it back to the beggar. We need to cultivate an attitude of a beggar who puts all of his trust in God's mercy without fearing that he will die of starvation. God generously pours spiritual crumbs on us even if we do not notice them. There are plenty of crumbs to satisfy all our spiritual needs. It is sufficient to stand before God as the poorest of all, gesturing as a beggar who stretches his hands to God, waiting everything from him. Our Savior wants, uh, wants us to constantly cry out for God's mercy, even when we think that our prayer is worthless. Only God knows the true value of our prayer. And I think God really cannot resist that kind of humility at all. Okay, so I'm going to end with this uh, poem, uh, um, also written by Sister Luke talking about bumbling through our spiritual life as a beggar. Here it is. Oh, not yet. Here it is. I made a garden for God. No, do not misunderstand me. It was not on some lovely estate or even in a pretty suburb. I made a garden for God in the slum of my heart, a sunless space between grimy walls, the reek of cabbage water in the air, refuse strewn on the cracked asphalt, the ground of my garden. This was where I labored night and day over the long years in dismal smog and cold. There was nothing to show for my toil. Like a child, I could have pretended my slum transformed an oasis of flowers and graceful trees. How pleasant to work in such a garden. I could have lost hearts and neglected my garden to do something else for God. But I was making a garden for God. Not for myself. For his delight, not mine. And so I worked on in the slum of my heart. Was he concerned with my garden? Did he see my labor and tears? I never saw him looking. Never felt him there. Yet I knew, though it felt as if I did not know, that he was there with me, waiting. He has come into his garden. Is it beautiful at last? Are there flowers and perfumes? I do not know. The garden is not mine, but his. God asked only for my little space to be prepared and given. This is garden for him, and my joy is full. No questions, right? Eh? No! (laughs) Oh, um, comment, okay, go ahead. I know, and I didn't even plan that. I was like, oh, yes, I'm not shame, Yes. So, everybody else, okay, great. okay. Can we pray?